0: Good morning. I presume uh, everything that we said or did is recorded. <laughs> right. But this will be recorded not only in Shemayim, hopefully, but also on the Internet. This is our first year in Enyakov, and thank you for coming. Before we actually start Enyakov, we're just to cover some introductory matters in terms of, as far as, first of all, what is a safer for Enyakov? What is agatata What's the purpose of it? How are we supposed to understand it? As, as those who've learned Dafyomi or other Gomara know, sometimes there are lots of strange, seemingly strange things, medical advice, statements relating to science, which is not which are not consistent with our understanding today, parables about you know, or stories about frogs that are the size of 60 houses, and so on and so on. So I want to talk about how Mufarshim over the centuries what their general approaches were. A lot has been written about how to understand Agatata before even getting into specifics of The Sefer Ein Yaakov is a compilation of Agadetas. It was started by of Yaakov Ben Shlomo Ibn Chaviv, who was born in Spain in 1445 and was part of the expulsion in 1492 and died in 1445. and and died in Salonika, which is today in Greece, in 1516. He actually only completed Seder Zraim and Seder Moed. His son, Rav Levi ibn Chaviv, uh, completed the work. (laughs) Then later, other people who had similar ideas came along and added to the Sefer. And, And the reason that's significant that other people added to it is because Rav Yaakov ibn Chaviv himself wrote in his introduction that all of the agaditas can be divided into twelve categories. He didn't tell us which ones he was going to write an index, but he never did. So he was in you know, other words from his safer, if he had completed it, we would have known exactly what he thought the lesson was of, of each agadata. And the twelve categories are based on the statement of Hazal that seven things were created before creation. And the Mishnah in Avos that says the world exists on three things, and another Mishnah in Avos that says the world stands on three things. Seven plus three plus three is thirteen, but there's overlap, so that leaves twelve. So those are the Torah, Avoda, Gemilus Chasadim, Din, Emes, Shalom, Chuva, Gan Eden, and Gehenna. Counts as one. That, that Then he adds one, which is not one of those seven, which is <clears throat> that a person should remember Gan Eden and Gehenna and, and act accordingly. Kisei Kavod, Besamikdash, and Shmo Shalmashiach. So those are the 12 categories that most of the Sefer somehow relates to one of them. But we don't know what his intention was in terms of what relates to what. And since other people added to it later, it could be that there are things there that don't relate to any of them. That's the definition of the last one. It includes for him, Bias Mashiach, the coming of Mashiach, Eliyahu, Anavi, Tchias Amesim, Olam Haba, which he says are all one thing as we will learn in Perk So we will learn Perk As far as why he wrote the Sefer, he gives a mashal of, there there, there was a Sefer that some of the pages were not clear and other people came along and copied only the pages that were clear a reference to the Rif and the Rosh, who copied, so to speak, the halachic portions of the Gemara and left the Agarita. And over the years, people stopped reading the pages that weren't clear because they had the good copies of the other pages. And so he felt you know, somebody needed to copy those other pages, too. And the other thing he said, writes is that after decades of being a darshan and giving drushos and talking about what other people wanted to hear, he decided it's finally time to learn what he wants to learn. The other just historical note that is, is significant has to do with censorship. And that is, as we, those who were in Dafyomi with us saw, particularly Masachet Sanhedrin, there's a lot of censorship. And, but throughout Shas, there also were many burnings of the Gemara over the centuries. The Ein Yaakov was spared uh, a lot of the censorship and the burnings, and there are many places where where the Gersaus of the Ein Yaakov, the text is different than our Gemara's, and most Mufarshim consider the Ein Yaakov to be a more accurate text because historically it didn't get the same treatment as the Gemara. It was censored, and, and but not, not as heavily. So that is the, the historical background. On the handouts you have item two, what what is uh, Agada or agadata, or Hagada as it's referred to in many older with The Hagada with a hay, hey. but the terms are generally used interchangeably. Hagada and Agada in Vilna Shas in the back of Masachet Brachos there is something called Mavo Talmud by Rabbi Shmuel Hanagid, one of the very earliest Rishonim. Lived in Spain, I think in the 1000s. And he wrote an introduction to Talmud. He explains what's a Brysa? What's a Tosefta? What's a Machlokas? How do we know who the halacha's like? He writes there in the Roman numeral two, source number one. He writes of a Haggadah who called Pirush Yavoba Talmud, Al Shum Inyan shloya Mitzvah. Any explanation in the Gemara about anything that's not a mitzvah? Zohi Haggadah. So that is Haggadah, or what we call Agadatah. And you should only learn things from it that are reasonable. This is a theme that we're going to see repeatedly in the introduction and as we learn. So if a Gemara says that there is a frog the size of 60 houses, well, that's not reasonable. So clearly it it doesn't mean there was a frog the size of 60 houses. It was, it's either a mashal or it's a... Kabbalistic hint, and we'll see other approaches to how to understand these things. He says, should only only interpret it in a way that's reasonable. And you should know, Shekol chazal halacha If something chazal say is a halacha regarding a mitzvah, and the mitzvah Moshe Rabbeinu received from Hashem, so you may not add to it or subtract to it, from it. But that which Chazal explained, each one as it came to him, or what seemed reasonable to him, If they are reasonable, we learn them, and if not, we don't. There are Midrashim, that you know we, we have... Accepted Medrash and Medrash Anchuma, you know, mainstream midrashim. There are other midrashim that are more mainstream, and there are some midrashim that have been totally ignored that are too fantastic for us to understand. You have to basically what he's saying is you have to interpret everything in a way in a way that is reasonable. Rav Hirsch, the 1800s. The the a lot of the a lot of the introductory sources that we're going to cover written in response to historical events. So in the 1800s, you had the Haskalah, the Enlightenment, and the Reform and Conservative Movement starting, and so Rav Hirsch was one of the great defenders of Torah Judaism. And so he wrote extensively about some of these things as well. And so he writes that, he explains the word agadata comes from from the word higid, to tell. And he says, it's made up of ideas which have occurred to each one of what of what each one has related, the word haggid, like the haggadah on Pesach is what we relate. Uh, the reason I put that in English is because he wrote in German. And since I wasn't gonna put it in German, it might as well be in English. We'll see another interpretation interpretation of the word of the word, but it's the same it's almost the same thing that Rashul Hanagid said eight hundred years before. It's ideas which have occurred to each one. Number three, what is the purpose of studying uh haggadah? or Agadata, So Midrashim already discussed this. And source number one says, lecha hagada, Learn Hagada or Haggadah. Through learning Agadata, you will recognize, you'll, you'll understand the Torah and the ways of your creator. To go in his ways and to attach yourself to him which the Mishal Sisharim says is the ultimate purpose of existence, is to attach yourself to Hashem. And the way to do that is through Agadata. Agadata is, in large part, Musa. And what do we believe? What do we believe as we're going to learn about Mashiach, about you know, Olam Haba, and about Skarva Onish, reward and punishment. And so these are things that are going to bring us closer to Hashem. Source number two, another Medrash, this is interestingly a halachic medrash, and maybe that's why it starts with the with the words "Dorshay Hagadot Those who learn Agadot say, so this is an endorsement of Agadata by people who learn Agadata, But it's in a halachic medrash, to see free. If you want to recognize the one who 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 created the world, Lamod Hagadah, learn Agadotash. Misha Through that, you will recognize the creator. And again see the reference the importance of attaching oneself to Hashem. On the other hand, source number three says about those who don't learn Agatha, quotes Hilam Vinu El Pulat Hashem, they will not understand the deeds of Hashem. So the, the Medrash brings three interpretations. The first one is, this refers to people who don't understand how the calendar works. The second one, of Shobin, Levi Amar Elo Agadot. This refers to Agaditas. So there is those who don't learn Agadot do not understand the ways of Hashem. And that is the Medrash Yalkut Shimoni. Attachment to Hashem. Sorry? Attachment to Hashem. So here it doesn't, this third, third one doesn't say anything about attachment to Hashem, but to understand the ways of Hashem. One of our basic obligations, it's a mitzvah, to go in Hashem's ways. So in order to go in Hashem's ways, you have to understand Hashem to some degree. Source number four, from a, a later source and a controversial source, uh, I'll explain in a minute, but Sefer or in the 1500s says, Tachlitan, the purpose of them, of Agarata, Kefi ha- as the word it, Agarata implies, negad u u adam mishmad it's to draw people to hear our words. So, Agarata is the word, he's saying the word means to, to draw people to, to hear the words, thereby to accomplish the purpose. Now, as I said before, many of the sources here were written in response to controversies. One of those controversies was created by this sefer that's quoted here, Ma'ori Nayim. Uh, and the Maharal wrote extensively to refute various assertions by the Ma'ori Nayim. That's why I said here that this particular quote appears in the Encyclopedia Talmudit in, in its description of Agadita. The truth is that the author of the Ma'ori Nayim has been, if, if he needed to be rehabilitated, he was, his writings were put in in his time, and some people learned them, some people didn't, but he was rehabilitated by Art Scroll. The reason he was controversial is because of his of, of some of his statements about Hazal's understanding of science. And we'll see, this is a, this is a recurring controversy that happened in time came up in time of the Rambam, came up in Air Times, and many times in between. What was your question? Rav Azaria de Ratio also known as Revisaria Minha Adomim, which is Hebrew for the Italian De Rossio. It's the name of a place, I assume, in Italy. Ross, De means from, Rossio. Section 4 talks about the interplay between Agadita and Halacha. Source number 1, from Yerushalmi, and Horios, quotes a Pasuk in Kohelas, Hashem will not give a person the power to, to eat from it. And Yerushalmi says, this refers to a Baal Agadah, a person who whose focus is on Agadita, she'ino lo'oser belo matir, lo' He doesn't paskin in halacha. We don't paskin halacha based on Agadita. Well, we'll see a couple of reasons why. Agadatah is not meant to be a halachic source. Now, we do actually have halachos that are based on agaditas. For example, saying ashray three times a day. The says, kolomer tilal david or according to another Girsa, shesha b'chol three times a day. He's guaranteed, guaranteed to be a ben olam hava. And because of that, we say Ashrei three times a day. And to, so much so that if you don't have kavana in one of the psukim, you have to go back and say it again. That is a halacha based on agadata. But we're not using the agadata to paskin. Okay, somebody said it's a nice thing to say Ashrei, so what's the harm? We'll say ashray. It's not that there was a machlokas. Say Ashrei. don't say Ashrei, and we use the agadata to resolve it. Now that statement itself, that if you say ashray three times a day, you're guaranteed to be a ben olam haba, that itself requires explanation. It's a, a strange statement. I mean, if so, if I say ashray three times a day and commit murder and bank, and, you know, pillage the rest of the day, I'm a ben olam haba? It does seem a little far-fetched. So one explanation for that is that it doesn't say, that you're guaranteed a seat in olam haba, but rather you're a ben olam haba. You're a person who is associated with olam haba. In other words, if you say ashrei three times a day, or other things that we say, if you learn halacha every day, if you learn halacha every day, you halacha every day you're guaranteed to be a ben olam haba. It doesn't mean you're guaranteed a good seat in olam haba. It doesn't mean you're guaranteed to get there at all. It means you're ben olam haba. You're you're associated with olam haba. You're on the probably on the right track if you learn halacha every day. If you say ashray every day if you do these things that make you a ben olam haba if you're a ben bayit you know if you have a border he's your ben bayit that doesn't mean he's your house first of all and it doesn't mean he owns your house doesn't mean he's guaranteed to be allowed into your house but it means he's associated with your house source number two under section four is from a tshuva of rav haigon the Gaonim were the period before the Rishonim, uh, after, after the Gemara, before, but before the center of Judaism left Bavel, was the period of the Gaonim, where Hai Gaon was the last Gaon. He died in 1038. He writes okay, to someone, so you asked about the meaning of this Gemara, which says that you say a bracha on earthquakes. Gemara says, what are earthquakes? And Gemara explains that Hashem cries. Hashem cries two tears, and these big tears fall on the earth. Shake, rattle the earth, and there's an earthquake. At the end of the first line, you want us to, you want me to explain this to you. Kula inyana, the whole matter. de so that you can learn other things from it and know when to say a bracha on an earthquake. You want me to explain this, this to you. Rav high responds, Hi milta This is agarata Uba Damila, amru regarding this. The Chachamim said, we don't rely on a Gadata. Doesn't mean we don't learn things from it. We do. We learn Midos. We learn what we believe. But we don't learn Halacha from a statement that earthquakes are caused by God's tears. It has some meaning, obviously. And someday we get to Masachet Brachos. We can discuss what that is. But we're not going to learn Halacha from it. You don't say Bracha on earthquake. But... You do say a or he's not saying you don't say on an He's saying you're asking me to explain to you what it means that, Hashem, that the earthquake is caused by Hashem's tears, so that you can derive halachos from it. I'm not going to do that because you don't derive halachos from a statement that earthquakes are caused by Hashem's tears. That's what he's saying. He's not arguing with the halacha that you say a rach on an earthquake. Why can we not learn halacha from agadah? There are a few reasons. One is, as we'll discuss in more detail, that we have to know what they're meant to teach. And an agarata like that is not meant to teach us science, for sure. Kamin did not think that earthquakes would cause Hashem's tears. It was meant to teach us something else, and we'll see shortly other, some examples. The Maritz Chayos, also writing in the 1800s in response to the, you know, the Enlightenment and conservative and reform movements suggest, very simply, that the Mishnah and the Gemara were originally Torah Shabbat. And they were written down because in each time Rabbi Huda Nasi decided it's time to consolidate the Mishnah. Ravashi decided it's time to consolidate the Gemara. He brings evidence from the Gemara itself that Agatitas were written down long before that, historically. They weren't published before the Gemara even before the Mishnah, and that they were well-known to people. That's why, for example, there are times in in Agarita when the Gemara makes allusions to things that we don't know what they are, and it'll be a long Rashi telling us the story. How did that happen? Because these stories were so well-known, they only need to be hinted to. In some cases, they were passed down orally, even as late as Rashi and Tosmas. But the downside of that was... Because they didn't have printing presses, anything that was copied was copied by hand, a process that's prone to significant error, which is why we have different gospels in the Gemara as well. One reason we have different gospels in the aside from censorship that was mentioned before, so over over the centuries, we no longer have accurate Agadata. So he brings examples of many stories that appear like like. There's a story about Rabbi, Rabbi Yehud Nasi's death. In another source, it's about Rabbi Tarfa. For stories, it's like today, people tell Gedolim stories, but I'll tell it about Chavetz Chaim, and you'll tell it about some Hasidic Rebbe. point is, it's not, it's not really important who it happened to. The point is the story itself. And it may not even be entirely accurate. If Avram Shapira, the uh, Rosh Sheva Merkazat, and former Chief Rabbi of Israel, is quoted as saying, 80% of Gedolim stories are not true, but they're worth reading anyway. Because the, the the message, I don't know if that's a true story, because that's a Golem story. But, but that's what he's quoted as saying. And and so same thing is true with Agarata. We don't have entirely accurate, because they're so old, they're not entirely accurate, and, and therefore we can't learn halacha from them. According to Mar and he could make such a statement, there is not a single story in the Bavli that appears exactly the same way in Yerushalmi. Any story that's in both the Bavli and Yerushalmi, there are differences either in who the person in the story was, or in some non-trivial detail of the story. It doesn't detract from the lesson we can learn from it, but it does prevent us from using it to learn halacha because it's not it's not accurate enough. Next page, source number four of Shri Ragone, who was the father of Rabbi Gonen, so he was the second to last Gaon. The, the term Gaon, today we use it to mean genius, like the Vilna Gon. But in those days, Gaon was sim- simply meant the Rosh Yeshiva in Babel. There were at sometimes two Yeshivas, so there could be two Gaonim at the same time. It meant the top rabbi, in, essentially, in Bavell, uh and therefore in the world at that time. So Rosh Ragon is quoted, this is quoted in many sources. I, I could not find Rosh Ragon's, any, any source that had his original words. But it's quoted in many sources, including Minoras Hamaor, which is a late Rishon or early Akron who did something similar to the Enyakov. He compiled the Agarita into, and he does arrange it by topic. And it's a popular Musar Sefer, and it was translated into Yiddish and into English. It was a, a, a also, in particular, a popular Musar Sefer for women because it, it's arranged by topics. So he writes, Menor Samar writes in the introduction. The katavra of Shriragon Zal, of wrote in his like in his notebook, Alinyana Hagadot regarding Agatata, Mili, those things which are derived from Sukim, Omikru midrash v'agadah and they are called Medrash or agadata. Okay, we'll see momentarily what's the difference between a Medrash like medrishrava and agadata that we have. Umdana ninu. These are all the Umdana is it's more than an opinion but it's, it's things that were called the opinion of the person who said it. Now, now it's, it's not just, you know, he woke up one morning and said, my opinion is, but it's based on his understanding of things. Revolva writes, for example, or Shlomo Volba, that when Chazal talk about Avram Avinu's chesed, Hachnasus Orchem is greater than talking to Hashem and, and other great things about Avram Avinu's chesed, so Revolva writes, in this is in the introduction to his Sefer on Chumash. He didn't write it; it's from recordings. Revolva said, and his students wrote that that was to make such a statement. You have to have a really profound appreciation of what Chesed is. I could throw out a statement about Chesed, but unless you know, uh, it's like you know, you hear people lecturing about re- raising children. And my attitude towards that is, I want to meet their children. Before I hear their lecture, I want to meet their children. So in order to comment on Avram Avinu's chesed, you have to have a profound understanding of chesed yourself, of, of what chesed means and what, what does it mean to talk to Hashem. How can you compare them? How can you make a statement that Hachnas Sorchim is greater than talking to Hashem unless you really understand? V'amru alav. Now, I believe, I'm not sure because I couldn't find the original source. I believe that now is not Rav Huragon talking anymore, but is the Minar Samar, Rahitstak Abu Hab, who, by the way, was also a great postsec and is quoted many times in the Es of Rav Yosef Karo. That this, what he said, that it's based on the people's understanding rather than being a received tradition, is Talking about some of the midrashim, Ravi Oshia, like the midrash Tanhuma, and some of the things in the Gemara Shiktuvim Omed, which are based on the person's on the on the opinion of the person saying them rather than being received tradition. For example, the Gemara that says that the Makoshesh was slafchad, according to Menorah Samar, that Rav Shmuel is saying that's not a received tradition from the time of Moshe Rabbeinu that the Makoshesh was slafchad. But rather, based on the reading of the Pesukim and the understanding of the situation, it seems to be a very reasonable conclusion. Okay? And in fact, it's locus whether Rav uh, Kiva says, the Torah doesn't say that, how can you say that? And similar situations. But most of the Agarata is secrets and very lofty wisdom. And and ways that people should act, the tikkun hagufa and how to fix both your body and your soul. Do not abandon the majority because a little bit of it is not, uh, is not received tradition. He says, even in halacha, we have machlokas. Clearly, not everything in halacha is received tradition because if it was, how could it be machlokas? Yet we don't say, oh, we're not going to learn that Mishnah that has a machlokas in it. Obviously, we, we don't. We, 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 we learn it all. And then, at the end, he quotes Rav Haigon, who was asked, What's the difference between what's the difference between a that's in the Gemara and midrashim that are not in the, in the Gemara? And Rav Haigon said, consistent with this, Kol v'tamud hu What's in the Gemara is more reliable than what's not in the Gemara. Not every, certainly not every medrash is something we have to believe. And Ramban himself said, Ramban Zay Rishon, and Ramban said this in, in the famous disputation with the priest that uh, the Ramban had. The priest threw a medrash at him. The priest, of course, is trying to prove the truth of Christianity and, you know, in Yashka, and he threw a medrash at Ramban, and Ramban says, first of all, you're misinterpreting the medrash. But anyway, and he explains what the medrash means, says, but anyway, if you even if you're not going to accept my explanation, I'll just tell you, I don't have to believe every medrash. Ramban says that. Today, people are taught as if medrash is, is sometimes children come home from school and they don't know the difference between a pasuk and a medrash, and adult lots of adults too, because we were taught that way, or because people are taught that way, and that's not that's not correct. A medrash is a medrash. One of the students of Vilna Goen uh, wrote in his will to his children, you should study medrash, and don't think studying medrash is studying chomesh. You should have a time for studying chomesh, and you should have a time for studying medrash. They're two different things. Aside from that, Rav Haigon is saying medrash is less accurate than agarata in the Gemara. The Rambam writes in at least five places, I quoted two of them, one in Egeris Khiya which is his letter about Khiya and in four times in different places in the Parish Mishnayos, that there's no such thing as paskining halacha between two different opinions in the agadita. First, we talked about you can't in halacha based on agadata. There's a machlokis in halacha, Rabbi so-and-so says mutter and Rabbi so-and-so says asr. You can't use an agadata to paskin. Just a similar issue today sometimes people want a Pasuken based on what they saw Rabbi so-and-so do. Okay, called, it's called a Masay Rav. And in fact, we have a, this sefer about the Vilna called Masay Rav, which has, says this is what the Vilna did. And there are people who Pasuken from it. However, even about that, there's mechlokis among the Vilna students, what the Vilna did. That's why in Parsha Zachar, we read the last Pasuk twice, Zecher and Zecher. Because it's a machlokis, what the Vilna did. So you have to be very careful poskining aloha based on the story. And he misinterpreted. I just read this story about Rav Moshe Feinstein that he, he picked up a, like a carton of milk and then he put it back. And right. uh, then there was this started around that he didn't think this was uh, Russia, the, he, the, the guy called him up. He said, what's wrong with my milk? And right. he... he that it was very funny because he said the reason I put it back was the carton was empty. Right, exactly. So that's one thing. You can't paskin a, a makhlokas based on agarata. Here the Ramana was making a different point which is in agarata itself you can't say if two competing agaratas you can't say we paskin like this one and not like this one. Like this opinion about the agarata. That requires a little further development, the Rambam's opinion, because Rambam himself seems to do that. We have a Machlokas, what the days of Mashiach are going to be like. Are they going to be just like today, except the Goyim will leave us alone? Or are they going to be supernatural? And the Rambam in Mishnah, it's the in the Gemara, the Rambam in Mishnah Torah says, Mashiach, There's no difference between nowadays and Mashiach, except that the Goyim will leave us alone. seems to be posthumizing. The Yud-Gimli Karim, the 13 principles of faith. One of them is you have to believe in Mashiach. There is an opinion in the Gemara, which we'll get to in Perak that there is no Mashiach. And it's in the Gemara. The Seferi Karim, Rabbi Yosef Albo, also a Rishon, the Asakasha on the Rambam. How can you say you have to believe in Mashiach? Rabbi Hillel in the Gemara did not believe in Mashiach. The Rambam seems to hold that there are some things, these 13 things, which are so basic, that even though they're agadita, they are halacha. But in general, other you cannot choose, pick and choose between opinions in the agadita. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll stop there, we'll continue, even though I broke it in sections. There's going to be a lot of overlap between what we covered already and what we're going to cover. Okay.